and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 53 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Tuesday, January 12th. Holy fuck, what a week. <laughs> what a fucking week. Crazy sports weekend. Kanye West affair with Jeffree Star. <laughs> Not talking about that. It's absurd. And all fake. And lastly, riots at our Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Um, I think I made the decision to start doing the show once a week. That way I could cover the events of you know, the week prior without simply just talking about sports and then everything else early in the week with the sports later in the week with everything else because that's kind of the way it was trending, I guess. And I picked probably the worst week in the history of ever to do that because, well, the rails are fucking falling off. Now, If you notice the title of the show, I want to explain this because um, when I name things, name episodes, or um, make references, I'm a little off there sometimes, and my brain remembers everything that is not worth remembering whatsoever. I have a lot of practice, you know, with one of my majors being in history. I remember lots of useless facts I could probably go on Jeopardy and win so you'll notice that this episode is titled Bizarro America right Bizarro means opposite I might be beating a dead horse here you might actually know what it means but I'll just explain it anyways in case you don't I got the reference from the episode of Seinfeld, where Jerry meets um, two friends of Elaine's ex. I don't remember their names, but they're the exact opposite of George and Kramer. That's where the bizarro thing comes in. Turns out that that word was used in like some DC comic. I'm not a comic guy. I think comics are weird. And... I don't even like the comic movies, but um, that just means opposite, right? I guess there's a bizarro world where, you know, the earth is a sphere there and the bizarro world. It's like a cube and then it's like home of the world's worst detective. And that's as far as I got into reading the Wikipedia page or whatever, but I don't know. That's why I call it that, because if you notice, it kind of has a double meaning, right? Um, Everything going on in the country right now is absolutely the opposite of what it should be. (laughs) And you could even, I just saw this now, but you could, like, make the analogy of that, you know, everyone's opinions are, like, in the bizarro world, right? It's either one extreme to the other, and... A few people fall in between that. Now, I like to play the middle ground of it. I like to look at things from both sides. I don't like to let anyone think for me. I don't live in an echo chamber. So, 
I will talk about that at the end. If you do not want to listen to that, if you don't want to hear a different opinion or to me not go on your side, I'm totally cool that we, the rails might fall off. I'm not really sure. So I'll do that at the end. That way, once I'm done with the sports recap, you can just turn it off and not listen to it. I would not blame you for that. I just feel like I have to say something. And it's such a huge talking point. Like, how could I not? Right? So. Weird, weird sports weekend, too. Uh, I'll get to the Nickelodeon game in a little bit. But, uh. NHL starting tomorrow. I'm really pumped about that. I love hockey. I have 116 consecutive days to lose money gambling on hockey. That makes me so excited. I could watch hockey all day, every day, and watch nothing else for probably my entire life. I love football, too. Like, hockey and football are neck and neck. But, uh, I don't know. I really get into hockey. And, uh, five games tomorrow. And, oh, man, I cannot wait. But, football. This was the weekend of football. Um, just start Saturday. Had the NFL super wild card weekend um we just go we can just go game by game i guess it shouldn't be too hard there are only six of them right of course like i said last weekend and of course you know packers and um the chiefs had a bye week they'll be playing home games on saturday and sunday i don't know if it's the i don't know exactly the schedule the time or like what teams are playing when but I do know who's playing who I should I mean come on there's not that much to keep track of but um first game uh Bills Colts um this one was a pretty good game it was the closest game of all of them all weekend and it was the first one and um I don't know. It was kind of weird watching because the Colts kept it close the entire game, but it's they were like never in like danger of winning if that makes any sense whatsoever, right? Like you just knew the Bills were going to find a way to win even when it did get close at the end there and refs made that egregious call. But still, there was time on the clock left, too, so it's like the Bills could have just ran down the field and scored and, you know, flipped the score again. So, I mean, it could have very easy. The final of this game could have easily been 34-31. to But, yeah, it just didn't seem like the Colts ever really had a, a chance. And they had a chance, but it just you didn't feel like the Bills were going to lose that game, right? Um. They came out a little flat. I mean, I think the Colts had a 7-0 lead early. It might have even been 10-0. But, um, I mean, the Bills are just, they're a whacking. I mean, part of my take has that uh, thing with Chris Berman. You know, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. It's true. I mean, um, they're a really, really good team. And... They're finding their stride at the right time, right? I mean, it's a little different in the other sports. I mean, baseball and hockey especially. Sometimes you get you play so many games. Sometimes it's 
you get on a hot streak and then you, you know you forget to do something right or you know you'd stop paying attention to little things and the rails kind of come off a little bit or you know you're getting some bad bounces or whatever the case may be right the bills are in stride right now and they have looked really really good ever since or maybe even a week or two before but that win on was it Sunday night football against the Steelers that was when the bills really really looked like they were coming together as a team you know the defense was clicking a lot better I mean that bills defense was really good all last season and then the first half of this season it didn't seem like that trend was continuing um, the defense looks a lot better right and the Colts are a real physical team and I mean, they're capable of putting up points just like anybody else. You hold them to 24. I mean, you have a pretty solid run game with Jonathan Taylor and um, uh, Naheem Hines. I think that's how you say his first name. I'm not even sure. Um, I mean, Phillip Rivers has been playing passable football. I mean, he's old, right? But he's been pretty solid this season. And... um, <clears throat> the Colts have a decision to make on who, what they're going to do with the quarterback spot. If Rivers wants to play another year, if they offer him a contract, or they look elsewhere. But um, they're, the Colts, I mean, I think they were kind of trending in the wrong direction a little bit. But, I mean, the Bills did come out a little bit flat on offense, but the Colts do have a pretty good defense, right? And... I mean, once they tied it up and they went up 17-10 at halftime, I mean, you just felt like the Bills were kind of going to run away with it. They never really did run away with it, but like I said, it never really felt like it was in doubt. But Josh Allen is really good. He makes plays. He uses his feet well. He's got a hose. He can throw the ball as far as he wants to, really. I mean, the biggest thing with them is the running game. I mean, they haven't really had a good ground attack all season but then again it's like do you really need to when your quarterback is just as mobile as anybody else in the league aside from Lamar Jackson really it's a fair question it's like who knows Bills won Colts go home Bills have a home game against the shit Jesus Jake come on up I'll do that at the end. I'll think about that at the back of my mind. Having a brain fart right now. But um, second game of the day, that was Rams-Seahawks. This one was a fucking clunker. And everybody knew it, too. Um, Seahawks, they were such a weird team, right? You know, the first half of the season, Russell Wilson looked like he was going to finally get an MVP vote. That's no longer the case. I'm not sure what happened or why or exactly when. It was like week 9, week 10. They totally had a flipping identity, right? They were, you know, a top 5 scoring team in the league. They were up there with Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Kansas City. Um, Early on, it was Pittsburgh and Buffalo. And those high-powered offenses in the league, they were right up there with them. Russ was playing good football. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were one of the best wide receiver duos in the league. He had a pretty good running game between, um, it wasn't Chris Carson. He was hurt a lot of the middle weeks there, but Carlos Hyde and DJ Dallas were getting good reps in and 
the defense was atrocious. I mean, they had to play catch-up because their defense couldn't stop anything. Um, and that totally flipped. I don't know if that was Pete Carroll trying to put a better emphasis on defense and, you know, slow the game down. That way they couldn't give up so many points, run the ball a little more. I'm not really sure what the strategy was there, though, but they looked like a totally different team from, like, Week 10 and follows. And I really think... Um, you could, I mean, you could even see the frustration from everybody. They seemed frustrated. DK Metcalf was on the sideline smashing his helmet on the bench, and, you know, they were pressing a little bit when, you know, you scored three points in the first half. But they only allowed six. I think it was six to three. Oh, no, six to three at the end of the first quarter. Then scoring picked up in the second quarter. The defense kind of disappeared. But, I mean, that... There were two different Seahawks teams all season, right? And you kind of, as a coach, it's it's almost the same thing in basketball, right? I mean, look at the Portland Trailblazers. They're a perfect example. They'll score 120 points a game, but they'll allow 120 to 125, and they'll go 42 and 42, or 41 and 41 in an 82-game season. As a coach, you kind of have to balance that. I mean, your good defensive teams typically play a slower-tempo game because they exert a lot of energy on defense in basketball, and you look for high-percentage efficient shots on offense. Football, you have the luxury of having you know, 22-plus guys, 11 on each side of the ball, playing at any given time. You only play one position. Um, Pete Carroll made the choice to, you know... he allow less points you got to slow down the game that's just that's how you have to do it and it seemed like they no matter how much they tried to help that defense out and the defense was playing better you no matter it seemed like no matter how much he tried in those bigger games they still couldn't get the stops then the offense disappeared i don't know rams on the other side of the ball they looked a lot better after Goff came in. Naturally, I mean, Goff's, Goff's a weird player, right? He's not terribly mobile. He can move a little bit, but um, not an efficient passer, it turns out, right? He throws a lot of interceptions. He makes some bad throws. And, I mean, he does have a loaded offense that can, you know, bail him out sometimes. He didn't play fantastic. I mean, he had one really good pass, like 50 yards. I don't remember who exactly was two, but they scored 30 points. And the Rams are another ground-and-pound team, right? I mean, Goff has a broken thumb. He's got three pins in his thumb. How effective do you really think he's going to be in Lambeau Field on Sunday, right? I mean, you don't really know. It's such a strange team. Like I said, you have Cooper Cup, and you have um, Tyler Higby, and you have Robert Woods, and Josh Reynolds. Is it Josh Reynolds? I think it's Josh Reynolds. I could be wrong on his first name, but Reynolds kid. Really good, right? You have weapons to throw to on offense. The running game has been their forte. It's been their forte all season. They run the ball. They use a lot of misdirection, weird formations, things like that, right? 
you've got a trio in the backfield between Malcolm Brown. Um, I think it's Daryl Henderson. Henderson and um, Cam Akers, Florida State rookie. He emerged as the number one back. Cam Akers is really good. That defense is what's going to keep them in the game. That defense is really, really good up front. They've got one of the best pass rushers, the probably the best defensive player in the league in Aaron Donald. Uh, you have a top three corner in the league in Jalen Ramsey, and that defense really gave Seattle some fits. Health is their biggest concern right now. I mean, the Rams are a good team. They're one of the best coach teams in the league. McVay's a wizard. Right, the way he has, you know, changed that identity. Another that's this should have been called the identity game because I mean that's another guy who really worked hard to change the identity of his team when they were in the Super Bowl. What two years ago? Um, they had probably I think they did have the best offense in the league, maybe short of the Chiefs, but. He totally changed the approach. They're stacked on defense now. They run the ball. It's almost like the same thing the Seahawks tried to do this season, except McVay took two, three years to do that. He hired the right guys on his coaching staff. The GM worked with them and got better defensive players. They're still weak at the linebacker spot, but it's a star-studded defense, and they gave Seattle fits. They can give anybody fits. It's just the way they play now. They're capable of scoring points too, but... Health is their biggest concern. Your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, has a broken thumb. Your one of two guys on your roster got hit in the head and got a stinger. It wasn't a concussion. They took him to the hospital. He's fine. He'll probably be suited up Sunday, but will he be able to go? I'm not really sure. You could have activated Blake Bortles, who is... Not exactly a great quarterback, but he's definitely serviceable. He had a pretty damn good 2017 season in Jacksonville. Um, Aaron Donald left the game with some abdominal thing. He's day-to-day. Cooper Cup, knee sprain. He's day-to-day. Cooper Cup's probably your most explosive wide receiver. He's probably your best wide receiver. Green Bay's pass defense is really good. They struggle with the run. That's one thing that the Rams will probably have an advantage in. I mean, Green Bay held Derrick Henry to under 100 yards. He had 98, 99 yards, but, I mean, it was snowing. And um, Tennessee's offensive line is not fantastic. I mean, that's a big question mark. But... I mean, that was pretty much the story of the game. I mean, the Seattle offense just struggled all game long, and then in the second half, their defense struggled, and they never seemed to be able to get the stop they needed to get back in the game. It was 30-20 to was the final score, but it seemed a lot farther than that. So, I mean, it is what it is. Seahawks do need a lot of buttoning up to do on defense for next season, and then I imagine that the Rams season will be ending next week as well. Um, Tampa, Washington. This game was the only bet in the NFL I won this weekend. I picked Washington to cover. They did. Backdoor cover. Love it. Uh, Taylor Heineke played a pretty damn good game. 
I mean, the guy was starting in the XFL last season. And, um, I mean, they really didn't have much of a chance on offense. That was the problem for Washington. And it's kind of been their forte all year, right? They need to be able to play defense. That front seven they have is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And um, they needed to hold one of the better offenses in the league, solid offensive line, stars, with Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, who did end up playing. You needed to hold them to like 25 in order to give yourself a chance to win. Probably less than that. Getting 23 out of your offense was a gift. I mean, you have a great running game with Antonio Gibson, um, J.D. McKissick. Logan Thomas is a great tight end. Terry McLaurin's a stud wide receiver. You getting 23 with your backup QB, Smith wasn't able to go. That was a blessing, right? And, I mean, they, they really, I feel like they didn't have a real chance of getting back into that game. They went down early, and, I mean, the offense just never really got going. And that Tampa Bay defense isn't a slouch either. They're a pretty good run defense. They struggled in the past more than anything. But, I mean, that, that game just never seemed... It, it seemed like that you they didn't really have a chance, to me anyways. And, I mean, it was a miracle they only lost by eight. It could have been a lot worse. They were down early. They fought hard. But, I mean, Washington was all stories this year, right? I mean, you're seven and nine team, and you're hosting a playoff game. They didn't absolutely rolled over, and they certainly did not have the worst performance of the weekend. Your quarterback almost lost his life with a gruesome leg, or his leg, and his life early on, with um, a gruesome leg injury. Your coach is battling cancer. Um, he's doing chemo treatments during the week, and then he's coaching on Sundays. Your quarterback, your franchise draft pick is addicted to strip clubs and can't seem to exert any self-control in order to stay on the field and, you know, stay competitive. You cut him. I mean, you they didn't hit that. They didn't have a chance. And it would have been nice to see that go a little further cuz I really do think that um I really do think that they could have been competitive down the stretch if they, you know, you get a bounce one way or you get a big stop or a turnover, but that just never really happened. So, is what it is. I mean, I think everybody was rooting for Washington. Kind of sick of seeing Tom Brady be really good all the time, but he's aging like fine wine. He's getting better. I mean, I said he was bad a few weeks ago. And I think he's taken a little bit more control of the play calling and the audibles and the things like that. And it helps that Leonard Fournette's able to run the ball too. Ronald Jones has been out for an extended period of time and Fournette's been doing a pretty good job, even in the passing game. He's typically a ground and pound, like a Derrick Henry type, just run straight forward. Nowhere near the results, of course, but he's not very agile in the passing game. And even he's getting some dump-off passes. He's running the ball well. I mean, when you can run the ball with those three wide receivers they have, and Gronk, and Scotty Miller's all right, too, and like Cameron Brait. Imagine if they had O.J. Howard, too. Like, that, Tampa's a real threat. A real threat. So, 
That concludes the Saturday games. Uh, Sunday <laughs> wasn't much better. <laughs> Ravens-Titans was a close game, but not that close if you watch the whole game. Um, Tennessee got out to an early 10-0 lead, and then the offense kind of just stopped. Right. Um, the Ravens looked really good from the second quarter on. Um, Lamar Jackson settled in, and he had a pick early in the first quarter. Um, they run the ball so well. Dobbins, Ingram, Edwards, they get it done. They don't even have a real wide receiver. Hollywood Brown, Des Bryant. Mar- I think they have Marquise Brown, too. I think they might have two Browns on their team. Uh, whatever. That could be the same person. That could be his fucking nickname. Hell if I know. But um, Mark Andrews is your best pass catcher. He had like three drops in the first quarter. Um, Lamar Jackson, big run. I mean, I'm just trying to think. This game was pretty uneventful too. And the Titans never really got going. Right? Their defense did a fantastic job of holding Henry. I mean, I don't, he got tackled for a loss once, I think, once or twice. But, I mean, he broke, I think his longest run was like eight yards, nine yards. I think they held him under 50. First time, it's his lowest since week six of last season. Like, Harbaugh schemed up Vrabel's offense very, very well. A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, A.J. Brown was involved, of course. Best receiver on that team. But um, that was really it. I mean, they didn't. It didn't really look like they never got going. I mean, that was another really good um, offense in the league, and their defense was really bad all season long. But their defense did a pretty passable job, right? Um, I really think the biggest takeaway from this game, though is the chicken shit football, right? Mike Rabel is a coach who was on a podcast and said he would literally cut off his penis to win a Super Bowl, and he decides to punt on fourth and one with six, seven, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're just outside of field goal range. You haven't really been tackled for a loss at all. You have the best up and down running back in football you're gonna lose you, you haven't gotten a stop all game well you, you did get a stop all game but it's like you're giving the ball away to the probably the best running overall running team in the league and not yardage wise but like play calling wise they've run the football the most out of any team in the league and then you expect to get the ball back with plenty of time to orchestrate a drive that you haven't been able to orchestrate all day and tie the game up and send it in overtime. You got to take your chance. Like, be aggressive. Like, you're you're not coaching for seeding. You're coaching to win now. It's the playoffs. Like, it's you lose or you go. You win or you go home. And he didn't do that. Um, they do get the stop because Justin Tucker uncharacteristically missed a field goal, and then they throw an interception and the game's over. So I think that's the biggest takeaway there is the lack of aggression when 
a lot of these coaches are usually aggressive, which is really strange. Mike Tomlin did the same thing. We'll go to that game first. We'll talk about the Saints-Bears last. Um, Steelers, Browns, holy shit, what the hell happened? Browns get out to a 28-0 lead in the first quarter. They're all, they're buzzing around. Corvette, Corvette, they're just trouncing the Steelers. Steelers did probably make a little, few Browns fans a little bit nervous. And, uh, you know, they come back and they make it a two-score game. Another thing with the chicken shit football, fourth and one. Um, you're down two scores, and Tomlin punts the ball away. You, you're already at a disadvantage. You're down. With Vrabel, at least, you know, on paper, that's probably the right decision. You trust your defense to get a stop. He lucked out, and then he had a chance to go down the field again, and it didn't work out. Tomlin, you got to go for it. Like, your offense is playing catch-up. You played three quarters out of four. It's even close that you have a remote chance of winning this game. You got to go for it. Like, it's all on the line now. And he punts it away. And then they give up a touchdown. Final score of that game was 48-37. It was a barn burner. Um, But he did the same game parlay that I did not participate in because I totally forgot about the start game. I had to do my dishes, and I lost out on 200 bucks. So that was big sad. But, um... Besides the chicken shit football, karma is the biggest takeaway from this game for me. All season long, all you heard from the Pittsburgh wide receivers was chirping. Talk, 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 chirp, 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 shit talk, shit talk. Chase Claypool. Fuck. A loss, never heard of her. Juju dancing on logos. Doubling down, the Browns is the Browns. Well, first of all, talk like a normal person. And um, then you wonder why you come out flat. The universe has a strange way of putting you in your place. Oh my god, Michigan's on a 36-3 run. Holy fuck, Wisconsin, figure it out. Sorry, I got the game on. They are getting fucking bullied. Told a co-worker that I was kidding when Wisconsin was going to win by 10. I figured it would be close. Yeah, 36 to 3. Jesus Christ. Anyways, um, what do you expect? Right? What do you expect when you talk all this shit and then you're in a slump? And then, you know, the, the obvious thing is once you're getting schlacked all the time is um, to not do that anymore. Hey, let's not be an asshole. Let's just play football. And then you don't. You keep going. You double down on it. And you, then you're surprised when you piss off another team enough to come out there and just kick the shit out of you. And then you're like, what happened? Well, what the fuck do you think happened? You pissed them off. You got cocky. You let your guard down. <sighs> I don't know. Big Ben played like shit, too. I mean, he had four picks. I think he had four touchdowns, four interceptions. It's not a surprise. I mean, when you give the other team the ball four times, the one wasn't his fault. The first touchdown of the game, snap was over his head. Nothing you can do there. I mean, there was a that could have been two points. That could have been seven points. It turned out to be seven. But Big Ben might be done. Big Ben might be done. I mean, he looks out of shape. 
throw he threw the ball 58 times he's 38 years old you can't be having that don't have a running game whatsoever you've got really good wide receivers but it just I don't know I mean, it's so strange, too, because Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the league. He's been there so many times. I don't think he's had, like, a losing season ever since he took over the job from Bill Cowher, what, 15 years ago? Like, he's never had a losing season. It was just a surprise. They didn't seem prepared. And, I mean, the Browns have a big challenge next week. And Chase Claypool is on an internet stream earlier this week saying, oh, they're going to get clapped. It's like, just, dude, let it go. Just say, yeah, we, we let our guard down. Just just do that. Just just stop that. But whatever. All right, the Nickelodeon game. MVP, Nickelodeon valuable player, Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, too bad they did a fan vote because Mitch sucked. Actually, no, Mitch was all right. I watched the whole game. I'm a Packers fan. The boys are Bears fans. Had some money on the Bears to cover. It was ten and a half. I thought there's no earthly way after the way the last game went. I know it was at Soldier Field. You have Priddle Drew Brees playing against one of the most stacked defenses in the league, and they couldn't get it done. The Bears looked flat. Flat. The defense played an amazing first half. It was a miracle. It was 3-7 to seven at halftime. You have Javon Wims on the offensive side of the ball drop a wide-open touchdown pass two or three plays after he made a, I think it was their biggest play on offense of the game. He toe-taps on the sideline. They challenge the catch, or they're reviewing the catch. It gets upheld. Then he, next drive, he drops a touchdown pass. It's like, come on. 10-7. Totally different game. Then um, the defense just got tired. I mean, when your offense is on... When your defense is on the field the entire game, you're not going to win. Well, one, you're not scoring points. And two, that Bears team has not been... Um, that takeaway team like they have been in years past. You're just not going to win. The Saints hit the ball 40 minutes. What do you expect? Two. Matt Nagy needs to go. I don't blame Mitch. I blame Nagy and Pace. They don't have an offensive line. That's why Nick Foles couldn't get anything done when he was starting. He doesn't have time. Mitchell Trubisky is at least having a little bit of success because he's mobile. He can use his legs. He can throw out of the pocket. He can scramble. Foles can't. He's 6'7". He's like the tin man. He doesn't even throw a great ball. It's just... What is the deal? Like, Why do you think this is going to work? doing the same thing over and over. You got to make a change. And Nagy's calling plays, the plays suck. They go for it on fourth down. They run these stupid little flood passes on fourth down. They're playing man coverage. Everything's covered up. And it's like what do you expect when you call the same dumb plays over and over? God, I wish 
or I don't wish. I'm glad I'm not a Bears fan because that was frustrating. The boys look demoralized watching the Bears. And it's brutal. Like you muster three points and then you get a garbage touchdown at the end of the game when it doesn't matter. Like gotta extend drives. That's on the guys in the field, right? But you gotta as a coach you gotta give them a chance to succeed too. If you're calling shit plays and your quarterback doesn't clearly doesn't have the experience or the poise or, you know, the field vision in order to call audibles like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, that he doesn't have that ability. Don't handcuff him. He might as well send Mitch out there with one arm tied behind his back and expect him to do it, get the job done. And you can't do that. It's, it's no wonder they lost, right? Um, look out for the Saints, too. I mean, Sean Payton's a wizard. He always seems to get something drawn up that works. Got Michael Thomas back. Meriden missed a beat after missing week 17 with COVID. Drew Brees looked all right. I mean, he's old and brittle, but <sighs> look out. Look out. Um, Nickelodeon. The aesthetics were cool. You had, like, the first down marker at all the wavy slime and um, scored a touchdown. The slime cannons went off. That was cool, but um, I had to mute it. The analysis was so bad. And, I mean, like, I didn't expect it to be good. I'm not one of those guys who are like, oh, yeah, Nickelodeon, this is going to be expert analysis. But it was, like, unlistenable. And the explaining and that stupid fucking young Sheldon. God, I hate that stupid. Big Bang Theory sucks. If you watch Big Bang Theory, you're a fucking loser. But, um, it wasn't, like, it's not, I wasn't expecting anything brilliant. But it was not, not good. And, I mean, I'm not going to brag on them either because it's like, I mean, it's a kid's network. I'm not expecting much. So we just watched the weird halftime show and we watched the first quarter of it on Nickelodeon. But um, it's okay. I mean, it just wasn't for me. They were gearing it towards kids clearly because, like, um, they were explaining every little thing that happened and SpongeBob behind the nets. And it's like, you know, 95% of the people watching aren't kids or adults reliving their childhood watching, you know, 90s Nick. But whatever. I mean, I wasn't disappointed or surprised. But, like, I'm, I'm, it wasn't good, but, like, I didn't expect it to be good. So, I mean, it's okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Football was football this weekend. I mean, you didn't really have the real thriller game. Like, the first game of the week was the best one. And that was pretty much it. Running a little long here, so I'll kind of cruise through the national championship game. Uh, Alabama won last night. Nick Saban won his seventh title, six at Alabama, I believe. Um, that was a tale of two halves. Tale of two halves. It wasn't a question of containing Alabama last night. It was a question of can we keep up with Alabama and hopefully get a bounce score away. Ohio State did not get that. When they went three and out, or I don't think they went three and out. They might have gotten a first down. Or no, no, they did go three and out. They went three and out on the first series. You knew, okay, well, you're already at a disadvantage. You didn't score a touchdown because Alabama ran on field, scored a touchdown. 
Ohio State scores a touchdown. Alabama scores a touchdown. Ohio State scores a touchdown. Alabama gets a field goal. Alabama scores a touchdown. Alabama scores a touchdown. Now it's halftime. That's what they do. Somewhere along the way, I think it was after Saban lost the Iron Bowl to Auburn on the kick six. Somewhere along the way, Saban decided, okay, I'm not going to play defense anymore. We're going to still be able to recruit highly touted defensive picks just because I'm Nick Saban and I have the best program in the history of the country. But we are going to score a lot of points and we are going to make other teams keep up with us because we know they can't. And this was the case right here. Ohio State couldn't keep up. Now, Ryan Day, I have a problem with you, sir. You, sir, are an idiot. You are down 40 or 28 points in the fourth quarter and you are running the ball. Why are you running the ball? What do you expect? They know you have to pass it eventually. Neither team was able to run all game, so they're probably going to let you pass. They'll play zone. They'll keep you in front. They'll keep you in bounds. So the clock runs. Why are you running the ball? You should never run the ball down four scores in the fourth quarter. What do you want to do? Like, not make it close? I mean, you could try. I mean, what's the worst you do? You throw a pick and then they run the clock out? Like, try. Don't just give up. And then two, the officials. Jesus. I don't understand why officials are so bad at their job. Like, I officiate, like, little kids. Like I used to when I was in college. Uh, when I'd come home for winter break, I would do refing gigs at, like, high school tournaments, right? I'd, or the tournaments were at high schools, but they were, like, elementary tournaments. I'd, co- I'd ref fourth through eighth grade games. They sucked, right? The, fan- the parents are fucking numbskulls. Oh, why'd my kid get a foul, but your kid didn't? Oh, because your kid sucks. But I don't have replay. I don't want to be there. I'm not getting paid anywhere, but these guys are getting paid. And they have computers to help them. They have eyes in the sky able to help them. What? I don't remember the wide receiver's name. But that kid literally caught, I think it was the same player. Maybe it wasn't. They scored a touchdown twice on that drive. And it should have been a three-time, the third time if Fields made a better pass on the fourth and goal play. You reviewed it. College, you need one foot in. He gets his foot in, hits the pylon, he has possession, he bobbles it after he goes out of bounds, and then they call it incomplete. Like, once he hits the end zone, the ball's in the end zone, his foot's in the end zone, with possession of the ball, even if it's instantaneous, it's a touchdown. Play the back of the end zone by the goalpost. He toe-dragged with his left foot, then his right foot comes out of bounds. You can literally see turf pellets fly off the ground, and they don't call it a touchdown. Like, what is going on here? Speed it up. If you're going to take all that time to make it the call wrong, just don't even bother reviewing it. Just say, uh, no, fuck Ohio State. That they, they didn't count. You might as well have done that. You wasted so much time. Stupid. Stupid. Don't understand it. But um, Devontae Smith, he balled out. I mean, he showed us why he won the Heisman. He had 215 yards in the first half to Ohio State's 191. He did fracture his finger or dislocate his finger. I'm confusing the injuries he did he was on the sideline he had a big brace on his hand Jalen Waddle came back off the fractured ankle he had he's playing probably shouldn't have there's really no reason for him to but I mean he wanted to be out there um I think a lineman tore his ACL in the SEC title game he got a snap on the victory formation that was pretty cool but 
I mean, like I said, Saban's a wizard. He had to. Yeah, he makes you have to keep up with him, and nobody else can. And it's a miracle that Ohio State only lost by four touchdowns as opposed to five, or six, or seven. So, like I said, I did give you fair warning. If you would like to turn off the show because of what I'm about to talk to next, three, two, one. Okay. Looking at the events of Wednesday. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, say, oh, it was horrible, get into why it was so horrible, and, you know, how bad this looks, and the severity of the problem, because it's obvious. It's very obvious. I'm going to leave you with three takeaways. I don't want to take too long with this. I'm going to try not to lose my cool, because... I cannot wrap my head around the way some people think about these things and the way they conduct themselves around this. One, I am glad that through all of this, some people were able to find humor in it. Humor is important, and it's not a serious thing. It's a serious thing to not joke about, of course, but I mean... Our biggest access to information is social media, and you need to be able to laugh about things. And like I said, it's not a laughing matter, but you can't be surrounded with Debbie Downers all the time and say, oh, the horrible, 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 horrible. You can't. You, you ever just, like, you feel miserable about something going on in the world you can't control, it, and you almost feel like victim to the bad news. Sometimes you need that uplifting thing, whether it's good or not, or, or whether it's appropriate or not. Sometimes you just need it, and some people are just fuckers online, and they make jokes. And I thought it was funny, because there were three types of people on the internet that day. Idiots who condemned everything that happened, and, oh, this is so bad for our country, and we're all systemically racist, and, you know, race baiting, and yada, yada, yada. There are idiots who made fun of it, and there are idiots who made excuses for it. I'm an idiot who enjoyed the making fun of it. Now, I fall, not the important part of it, I fall into the category where I use my own brain to think. I don't let some idiot on CNN or some idiot on Fox or some idiot on the internet tell me how to think. I think for what? I think for myself. I have a pretty unique experience with the education system, right? I have two majors, one in finance, one in history. It's a very unique combination. I've never met anyone else who has a bachelor in both of those. I'm sure there are there are people out there who do, but it gives me kind of a unique perspective because I understand and know about things that have happened prior. The finance side, economics is tied into that. I understand the dangers of the sentiment on where our country wants to go. If you think socialism is a good idea, it's not. Don't defend it. It's not. Look at where it's happened everywhere in the, in the world, in its history. It doesn't work. Now, don't cite Scandinavia and the European countries that do this because it's a different world. There's not 330 million people who live there. It's not a melting pot of culture and race and ethnicities. 
They're 99.9% white. They all make money. And the government takes care of them. And a select group of people live there. They don't let anybody in. Borders are closed. You can't immigrate there. Don't compare them. Now it's a little bit off topic, but that kind of seems to be where the Democratic Party and major news outlets are pushing us to think. That's okay. I don't let them think for me, though. First, the least important of my three points. We're dumb. We're dumb as a society. And this is just from reading people talk about it. You can't even spell the damn capital right. AL is a city. OL is a building. It's not fucking hard. If you're not sure, Google it. Just Google it. Fuck. That's not important, though. I guess I have four takeaways now. I just thought of a more important one. Two. Double standard. If you were to ask me, now this is where I try to not side one way or the other, and I try to use reason and common sense the best I can, is one instance comparing the actions of this summer that happened all over the country for months and what happened last Wednesday were those two different scenarios. Of course, the setting was different. The severity was different. One, you have... Um, civil destruction of property, vandalism, and crime and violence, death, amongst ourselves, on a municipal level, on a local level. The other is the seat of our democracy, our republic. That's where the laws are made. It's in the symbol of our country. Of course it's different. But if you boil down to the facts... There's a double standard. There's a double standard. Crimes aren't the same. You can have two crimes, the same, you know, two murder cases, and each case is totally different. But it's still murder. Think about it. What is the difference between... Two different cases, one of insurrection, destruction of democracy, and the destruction of property, people's personal property, their businesses, their livelihood. What's the difference between that and what happened yesterday? The only thing is the severity of it. There's a double standard because one, and it's on both sides too. I'm going to say both examples. From over the summer, you have one group of people actively condoning the violence that happened all over our country. You had the other side condemning it. And last Wednesday, you had, arguably, I mean, I, do I really think President Trump incited a violent, uh, an insurrection? Splitting hairs. I mean, I read the tweet. He didn't say, go loot the Capitol. He said, go protest, fight for your right to protest, fight for what you believe in. And then he said, go home. But whatever, not going to get into that. Wednesday, you had one group 
say, we're going to do this, and then another group say, we condone this. You can't pick and choose. A crime's a crime. A crime's a crime. Doesn't matter what way you spin it. Doesn't matter how severe it is. Doesn't matter how insignificant it is. It's a crime. You cannot go around destroying other people's shit. And those idiots who stormed the Capitol on Wednesday destroyed all of our shit. We all pay for that. We fund those boneheads who work in there. Our taxes upkeep the building. They destroyed all of our shit. Condemn that. But don't sit idly by when everything else was going on over the summer happened. You, oh, they're protesting systemic racism? It doesn't fucking matter. It can't be violent. You can't pick one and discard the other when it's convenient for you. That's what I'm trying to say. Condone it or condemn it. You pick. But do both. Face the consequences of it. You can't pick and choose. You just gotta do. And the third thing, I already said it a few times. Well, third or four. Third thing, think for yourself. Okay? Think for yourself. And ask yourself why. You shouldn't ask why questions too much because, I mean, you often get lost in trying to find the answer. But ask yourself why. And think for yourself. Don't let anyone else tell you what to think. Don't turn on the news for an explanation. Turn on the news for what happened. Give yourself the why. Because, like him or hate him, Donald Trump started this trend of fake news. Fake news is true. And it's on both sides. You listen to one, you don't get the truth. You listen to two, the other side, you don't get the truth. The truth is always somewhere in between. And that's where you come in. You're in between. you got to think of what is right to you, what makes sense to you, what you believe in. And maybe you believe in exactly what they're saying. Okay, well, that's fine. But if it doesn't make sense to you, don't blindly accept it. And we do that now. Our access to information is so simple, we just get our answer right there. We trust the first thing we see. You go on the internet and say, oh, can you provide sources? I don't believe you. And then it's like, why are you asking? You're believing someone else who didn't cite anything or they just conjured some explanation in their head to what's conducive and convenient for their viewers. Just think for yourself. Don't rely on an answer from everybody else. Do your own research. And four, look out for big tech. I'm not saying that it's illegal, what they did censoring his account, because it's not. The First Amendment's only protected by the government. It's not protected by a private entity. You hit that little check mark, you sign away your freedoms. I mean, it's probably written in there somewhere, like we can suspend anything we see fit. But it's a scary precedent because if they can silence the most powerful person in the world, what can they do to you without you knowing? Google and Twitter and Facebook have so much data at their hands. What could they do to you? Now, does he get to go away? Yeah, and that's good. I think we need it. I think it's enough for this. It's time to move on from this debacle. I mean, I won't even say the last four years because, I mean... Look at the numbers. I mean, President Trump is the first person to lose an election with the lowest unemployment rates in history and the best economic growth that we've seen in a long time. 
Like, that's never happened before for a sitting president. He's the first to do that. But since March, I'll give you that. It's time to move on. It's enough of this nonsense. But no matter how you feel about him, maybe not who this happened to, but their ability to do it, it should concern you a little bit. Because we're getting to a point where these big tech companies are in it with the government. Ooh, look out. That's not good. Everyone likes to cry about fascism and all of Trump's fascists, Trump's fascists. Well, when your government starts to do what Twitter and Facebook, Amazon did to President Trump, that's fascism. That's what fascism is. It's not nationalism. It's not, you know, supporting uh, civil liberties and economic freedom. That's not fascism. Not getting a stimulus check or student loan forgiveness, that's not fascism. Fascism is when your government expects you to do what they say, when they say, and how they say to do it. And you don't have your rights anymore. And that's something we need to be aware of. So, a little longer episode. I mean, I did want to highlight those talking points a little bit. Glad I did keep my cool. I didn't t- totally go off the rails because I'm just so sick of the stupidity on both sides. Everyone is a fucking idiot. Like, if you don't have an educated opinion or a grounded opinion, keep it to your fucking self. Okay? <laughs> I'm just so sick of hearing it. Everyone's complaining about, oh, Trump's so bad. Trump's so bad. Yeah, we don't like him. You get it. Just fuck off. That's what I want to say. It's just like, fuck off. So sick of hearing about it. I just want my life to go back to normal. But. Yeah. That's all I got. Like I said earlier. Um, I think I'm going to stick to the one a week thing. Because I mean I don't think. Um, two is the right path right now. I did say I do want to get interviews on here. Maybe I can drop those interviews at the end of the week. Just keep it to an interview. Not any other content in the show. And then just do like the weekly review thing. So I think I'm going to go forward with that and see how that goes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at JakeSawinski8 at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. Rate, review, subscribe, please, please, please. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog. All right? Have a good week, guys. Peace. <laughs>